Welcome back to Women's Wealth, The Middle Way, the show that answers your questions about work, money, and family. My name is Susan McGlory Michael, and I am the CEO and founder of Glen Eagle, a wealth management firm in New Jersey. We're very excited today to welcome our guest, Dr. Valerie Young. Dr. Young is an internationally recognized expert on imposter syndrome. She's an accomplished speaker and an author of an award-winning book with Random House called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It, which is now available in six languages. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Young. I am thrilled to be here, Carolyn. Well, I think the best way to start is probably um, to just share with our audience, what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome often is this kind of unconscious feeling that deep down inside we're really not as you know, intelligent, capable, competent, qualified, talented as other people seem to think we are. And this is you know, despite obvious evidence of our abilities or our accomplishments. But, but what we do, Caroline, is we, we explain them away. You know, like, you know, sure, I'm successful, but I can explain all that. So we say I was right. just lucky or I had connections or they just like me or this, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. Uh, and so we live in this kind of fear that we're going to be found out. And why do you think that so many people feel this way or, you know, have this syndrome? There's no one reason. Um, you know, I, I, I prefer to them as kind of perfectly good reasons why you might feel like a fraud. <laughs> For some people, it might be the the field that they're in. People in creative fields, you know, writing, acting, you know, music are more susceptible, you know, because they're being judged by subjective standards, by people whose job title is professional critic. Uh, if you are a student, you're more susceptible. I've spoken at over 85 colleges and universities around the world, and that's because I mean you're you know literally having your intellect and knowledge tested on on a on a daily basis. Um, you know, people who, well, guess what? If you're raised by humans, you're more likely to feel like an imposter because sometimes the messages <laughs> we get growing up make us more susceptible. You know, we get messages around, you know, you have to come home with all A's or maybe we didn't get a lot of praise for our accomplishments. You know, and so either one can, can complicate things and lead us to grow up and have imposter feelings. And, and I want to add one more, the social element, you know, whenever you belong to any group for whom there are stereotypes about intellect or or abilities, you're going to be more susceptible. So whether that's based on age or gender or race, a lot of people who are the first generation in their family to go to college uh, also are more susceptible to imposter feelings. And I'm sure everyone listening today at some point, if not currently, has uh, you know struggled with imposter syndrome. So I'm just curious, what made you become so interested in this topic and, and become an expert in it? It's not a field that a lot of people, I think, are in. So um, you know, how how were you drawn to it? Yeah, and I didn't like set out to make make this career decision. Like I think I'll become an expert in this. I I really got involved because as a doctoral student myself, by the way, at the same university where my mom also was working as a as a second shift custodian, um, I wow. was sitting in a class one day when a student brought in a paper by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. Those are the two psychologists who first coined the term the imposter phenomenon and started describing how they found all these bright, capable, competent – they thought it was just women at the time. So the you know the study mm-hmm. was based on women and that they felt like they were fooling folks and they were going to be found out. And, and I so identified that I, I changed the entire focus of my research and decided to look more broadly at women's 
self-limiting attitudes and behaviors. Uh, and then I just started leading, you know, putting on workshops, and it just kind of grew from there. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, so if if you're someone who is currently struggling with imposter syndrome or um, know someone struggling with imposter syndrome, like what are some things that you can do to maybe um, help get over this this syndrome? Yeah, and I wouldn't, you know, some people do get over it. Um, but for, I think for the rest of it, it's less a matter of trying to, you know, cure ourselves and never feel this way again. It's more a matter of kind of having the tools and the insight to be able to talk yourself down faster when you're having a normal imposter moment. Because if you're the first person to do something, the first woman, the first, you know, person of color, or, this, or, or you're new to a job, or you've just, you know, started your business, there's going to be these normal situations where you're going to have imposter feelings. So if you can kind of normalize it and do less personalizing and more contextualizing, so to kind of step back and go, well, why wouldn't I feel this way? I've never done this before. This is totally new, right? I have to represent my entire group. So that's a big step. But I think more importantly, uh, Carolyn, is to kind of step back and recognize that people who don't feel like imposters are no more intelligent, capable, you know, co- competent than the rest of us. It's just in the exact same situation where we might, you know, have this imposter response. They're thinking different thoughts, which is really good news because it means we just have to learn to think like non-imposters. And when I say think like non-imposters, you know, there are people who come off as very confident. And I think sometimes, especially women, we can confuse that and think, oh, they must be super competent when, you know, they're not always one and the same. The, The research shows that in a group, people are more likely to follow the more confident person over the more competent person. Which is kind of disconcerting when you think about it. <laughs> but yeah. you know, for, so I think for a lot of women, you know, what we need to focus on is not becoming more and more credentialed and, you know, and quote unquote competent, whatever that means. I think we're, you know, most of us were already relatively competent right this very moment. I think we need to need to work on becoming more confident. And, and you do that not by giving yourself, you know, kind of a little pep talk, you know, you got this, you can do it, but by stepping back and, and, Thinking differently about competence, what it means to be competent, thinking differently about failure, mistakes, and criticism, and thinking differently about fear. Those are the three areas that people who don't feel like imposters just have a very different perspective, different way of thinking. Very interesting. And I know that you, I mean, you have a whole website and have written books and done TED Talks, um, et cetera. So you've obviously brought a lot of um you know, insight into this topic. Have, have you seen that over the years um, people are becoming more aware of the imposter syndrome and it's not something, uh, you know, that people are hiding as much or, or not being as outspoken as they were in the past of recognizing yeah, I would that, say de- you know. Yeah, definitely. I think men are starting to talk about it a lot more. You know, baby boomer generation, you know, men, I think, felt more pressure to not, you know, be vulnerable or, you right. know, talk about, what we might be considered as, you know, weakness or vulnerability, but especially younger men are talking about it a lot more, you know, blogging about it and so on. And I think partly, you know, social media plays a role because we, you know, live in this, uh, you know, culture of constant comparison where right. we, we can't all be living our best lives all at the exact same time. <laughs> so people are just posting, you know, the, the end result, the successful end result, but not, you know, the, the, the journey and the struggles and the disappointment that, that kind of went along with it. 
So I think, you know, for that reason, more people are feeling it and therefore more people are talking about it. Yeah, and all those filters on the on the social media don't help to make everything look great <laughs> on the outside. Um, it's sometimes hard for people to recognize that people are, may only be posting the best parts, right? So. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why. I mean, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know, before we started this, you said if if don't worry if you flub something, we can edit it. And my comment was, no, let's leave it in because that would be a teachable moment because stuff. It happens, right? You know, I was speaking in front of 300 uh, healthcare executives in, in Orlando about a month ago, and in the middle of my talk, I started coughing, and I had to go to the side of the stage and take a drink of water, and I came back, and I said, how many of you would be mortified right now if that was you, and you started coughing in the middle of your talk, and, you know, a bunch <laughs> of people raised their hand, and my comment was, yeah, I don't really care, <laughs> and it's not, that, it's not that I wanted to cough, but it's more like I just have it in perspective now that it's not the end of the world. We're all human. Nobody stormed out of the room because I was coughing. <laughs> so we're just so hard on ourselves when just, you know, human kind of flubs are just part of life. TED Talks are edited. People think, oh, what a great speaker. They're edited. So we need to oh, keep really? that in, wow. in mind. Absolutely. I mean, not all of them, but certainly if, if there's, there's a glitch or, yeah, the one that I was at, it was just a little six-minute TED Talk, very short but there was a guy who he lost his place and he stood there for three minutes trying to remember how to get back on track with this talk. I mean, they were just, you know, tough in the moment when you're, because you know, we were in front of a live audience, but that got edited out. So, <laughs> yeah, you realize that I guess it. everyone makes mistakes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and that's, you know, I think a perfect example of how people who don't feel like imposters, they're much more forgiving of themselves. I'd love to just read you this this quote that I use in, in my talk. There was a Betty Rollins. She was this former NBC News correspondent and author, and she wrote a article in the New York Times decades ago called "Chronic Self Doubt: Why Does It Afflict So Many Women?" And in it, she talked about frequently having that "I'm in over my head, and they're going to find out" feeling through her whole professional career. And she wondered if other people felt the same way. So she went to this male producer who she said, by the way, was as competent as he thought he was. And this is how the exchange went. When you're on a story, I asked him, do you ever think it's not going to work out? Sure, he said merrily, all the time. Do you worry about it? Sometimes, he said, not sounding sure. When it doesn't work out, do you usually figure it's your fault? No, he said, sounding sure. Suppose it is your fault. Does it make you feel terrible? Nah, he said. <laughs> Why not? He looked at me. Aren't I entitled to make a mistake once in a while? Wow, and I remember yeah. reading that line like over and over because that was new information to me. I think it's new information to a lot of women. And I think anybody who feels like imposter, it's new information. But when you think about it, if we knew we're entitled to make a mistake once in a while, to have an off day, to not know the answer, to ask for help, to struggle to master something, there would be nothing to feel like an imposter about. I know there are a lot of women listening right now that are probably nodding their heads along with you on this idea of we're very harsh on ourselves and sometimes forget that, you know, everyone makes mistakes and, and it's okay to do that. There was this guy in my hometown here in, in Massachusetts who was on the select board for 12 years and then he ran for re-election and he, he didn't win. He failed to get re-elected. So, you know, the very next day, what do you imagine he did? Well, he went out and took out papers to run for state office. 
because he said he it was the next natural step. So it's not intuitive wow. to a lot of us that shooting higher after a setback may well be the next natural step, but why not? Well, and I think it's also that saying when you when you have failures, right? They usually lead to better opportunities sometimes and and more uh, lessons that you learned and grow Absolutely. grow from, right? So Absolutely. <laughs> What's one piece of advice that you would give um, to women that are listening, you know, today that might be agreeing with you 100%, you know, on we're too harsh on ourselves and we struggle with the imposter syndrome. What's one piece of advice you might leave with them? Well, I think sometimes it can help to step back and realize that this is not all about you. In other words, you know, kind of everybody loses when bright people hold back or play small. And so while we're so busy being hard on ourselves, you know, there's costs and consequences, whether it's for our family or, you know, our, our organization or our community. The proverbial, the question we always hear is, what would you do if, you know, if money wasn't a factor? So what would you do if fear wasn't a factor? What would you do if you had all the confidence in the world? And what's the cost of not doing that? So I think to put it in perspective. I, th- I think that's a, gr- a great note to end on. And, um, Dr. Young, we can't thank you enough. I know this was very inspirational. I know a lot of people will probably be um, reading your book and, and going to your website after listening to this podcast. I know that um, I haven't read your book yet, but I have I have read a few things on your website and, and want to read more about it. So we really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for asking me. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Women's Wealth, The Middle Way. Make sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday. See you in two weeks.